Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, we are working our way through a chapter at a time. This is the 202nd lesson on the New Testament, and uh, we've made it up to the book of Hebrews. This journey has taken us from the Gospels to the book of Acts, springing out of the books of Acts into the letters that Paul wrote to the churches that he started and uh, uh, that we saw as we read the book of Acts, his missionary journeys, and we've just finished up Paul's letters a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we've got about a year left now to get through the rest of the New Testament. I think there's 54 chapters left or 52 chapters left after tonight. So by the end of next year, we should be wrapping up the, the New Testament, God willing. Unless, of course, Jesus comes back, then it won't matter. At that point, everybody passes. Good job. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but if he tarries, we'll, we'll endeavor to persevere. And, and as we finish the New Testament, um, we will, that'll be in 2014. We should finish. 2015, we should be hopping into the Old Testament. I think that's going to take us 15 years. That'll take us to 2030, and then uh, we'll start again in the New Testament, because I won't remember a thing. <laughs> It'll be like fresh to me. So, uh, so good, we got a plan, and, um, and that's good, that's where we're at. Right now, we're in the book of Hebrews, um, uh, as I introduced it last week, and Hebrews is a great book, you're going to like this, uh, it's a great, it's a great letter. Um, there's just so much depth in it. And, and the writer of Hebrews uh, is, um, uh, we're not sure who the writer of Hebrews is right off the bat. Um, we don't know. Some people think it's Paul, but I don't think that's even the, the main thrust anymore. It was at some points. But, uh, and, you know, some people have opted for Apollos being the, the writer or Luke maybe even. Or um, there's just been different ideas that have been tossed around. But we're not sure. We're, we're fairly confident it was one of Paul's companions um, just because of the, some of the ideas seem to have been um, very much Paul's. But the writing style isn't Paul's and, uh, uh, in, in lots of ways, and, you, and we'll talk about a little bit of that today. We, we see these things. There's a lot of Old Testament that's quoted in here because the book is written primarily to um, Hebrews, Christian um, Jewish believers, who because of the amount of persecution they faced... Um, and and the um, just the wave of false teachers that have come after them, a lot of them are sort of thinking about you know kind of quitting uh, the walk, and and the writer of Hebrews addresses them, and 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 in throughout this letter points up how Jesus is better than than anything they experienced before Jesus, and how he's um, how he fulfills um, all the things that they were they understood and and. Um, had learned um, in their faith before Jesus as they, as they walked this thing out. And, and so he, he keeps bringing them back to, um, to, you know, how amazing Jesus is. And really, that's the, 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 the overall thrust of the letter. It's, it's just it's going to keep pointing us to Jesus, what Jesus has done, how amazing Jesus is, um, that he's our high priest, uh, that he, that, that, you know, the sacrifices that he's made for us and because he loves us, and, and this just kind of keep happening over and over and over again throughout the chapters as we look into it. And so as we move into the second uh, chapter of Hebrews, the, the writer is going to tell us how important it is to pay careful attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away. And, and um, 
that is such an important thing. That's why, you know, we always talk, I, I, I talk often here about the importance of developing in your life a daily spiritual discipline of reading the Word of God and of taking time to read it and to think about it and to meditate on it and to pray over it and to memorize it and, and to uh, allow it just to continually sink into your life. Um, because, you know, without it, uh, it's, it's, it's easy for us to drift away, to get caught up in things that really don't matter, to, to um, we, we, we get bombarded with teaching, um, even if it's not coming to us in the form of teaching, but, but our culture is constantly trying to strip away the, the foundation of our faith, um, uh, even well-meaning people around us who, who believe differently, or, or they constantly chip away at um, the, the foundation that we have, the, 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 the reason we can stand. And so we have to be careful that we're diligent to um, pay attention to what we have heard and to continually um, come back to it. And, and that's why, you know, you, you hear me say it over and over and over again. I encourage you, I implore you, I exhort you to develop in your life a daily time in the Word of God. Just make it a priority. It, it, it needs to be there. It's that important. Because it, as we, if we drift away from it, you know, certainly we, we'll press on with the residual of what we have, but it gets much easier to get distracted and to get sidetracked and to um, sort of get, get taken in by things that aren't true. And, um, you know, all of us still have areas in our lives that the Spirit of God will still challenge within us. Um, and, and if we continue on in Him, that, that He will continue to grow us and to um, uh, mature us and uh, to help us in this walk. But we have to engage. We have to be willing to, to press into Him. And, you know, there's, there's no substitute for you sitting down and reading for yourself the Bible. So it's great to listen to teachings and do all those other things, and I'm, I'm all for that, um, as long as you're checking it against the Bible. But there's nothing like you sitting down um, and inviting the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word to you and just digging into the Word. And so again, if you're not doing it, I want to encourage you, take some time every day. Start with five minutes and then let it grow from there. But at least develop some sort of daily time with God. And the writer of Hebrews says the same, says basically the same, pay careful attention to what you've heard so that you don't drift away. So Hebrews 2, 18 verses, I'm going to read them to you. And this, I'm going to chat a little bit about the end. Um, but uh, it's very interesting. And, and so here goes the writer in verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. It is not to angels that He subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone is testified. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You make him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with, the glory, and, with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. 
In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And blessed be the word of the Lord. He's into it. I like it. You can't see it, but my grandson is like raising his hands going, whoo, and he's only eight weeks old. Yeah. So. Okay. So, uh. In those first few verses of Hebrews chapter 2, when when Paul, we've been studying Paul for a couple of years, when he wrote his letters, what he would generally do, if you look at the letters Paul writes, is that he would take the first few chapters to sort of develop the doctrinal ideas that he was giving to the church, and then in the remaining chapters, he would sort of write about the practical application of those things. The writer of Hebrews doesn't do that. That's one of the reasons we don't think it was Paul. Um, The writer of Hebrews tends to make practical applications um, as he moves throughout the letter. So he'll bring up a point and immediately make a practical application. And and in this case, in chapter 1, if you remember last week, the writer developed the idea of Jesus being the ultimate way that God speaks to us. And now in this chapter, the writer applies that by saying we need to pay more careful attention to what we have heard from him and to not ignore the message of a great salvation that Jesus announced and then confirmed by the miracles he did. Jesus came and then proclaimed and announced the kingdom of God and demonstrated that the kingdom had come and that, that um, he, he offered people who responded to him this great salvation. And, and so the writer of Hebrews now has talked about Jesus being the way that God ultimately speaks to us, the best way. He spoke to us, as you remember in the first chapter, God has spoken by many different ways uh, in the past. And we looked at some of those, you know, by visions and, and by dreams in the Old Testament and audibly. Um, but now uh, it says that, you know, in the, in the ultimate form, he, he speaks to us in Christ and what that looks like. He himself came and did the stuff that he did. And, and so we want to make sure that we don't miss that and ignore him and ignore all the stuff that he did and how he confirmed what he said, um, that the kingdom had come and then demonstrated indeed that the kingdom had come by the things that he did. And so that's where the writer sort of starts in those first four verses. And then in the next, the rest of that letter, and it's not a lot of verses, 5 through 18, he describes what this great salvation is all about. And, and, uh, and so Jesus has made a way for us to have full and abundant now and forever life. And, and so he's broken the hold that the enemy had over us. He set us free from death um, you know, eternal death. Uh, certainly we'll all experience a physical death unless Jesus comes and grabs us before then. But, but um, um, we no longer need to fear death because in Christ, um, we, 
we, we just continue on in him. You know, at some point we'll, we'll drop the shell, but we'll just press on in him and we get a new one and it's all good and, and uh, no pain and none of that stuff and, and just, you know, fixed and ready to go. So it's all a win for us. We're, we're heading now in a direction. So we no longer need to be afraid. Up until that point where, when peop, you know, where Jesus made this thing, people were horrendously afraid of death and still are if they don't know Jesus. Death is one of those big um, concerns in people's lives, a fear of death and what it means. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people ignore it. You know, we, and we live really in a culture now where we don't talk about it much. Um, uh, and so, you know, it, 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 it takes some people completely by shock and storm and... and uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's part of, it's, it's part of this, this life. The world's fallen, broken, and it's a part of it. But as believers, we don't need to be afraid of it. It's sad and all those things that happen when, when that takes place. But we don't need to be afraid, see? And, and that's because Jesus has set us free from that fear of death. And it was that fear of death that the enemy used to, to hold over us. And so Jesus has come and set us free from that. And he's rescued us from this present evil age. And he did all that because he loves us. Um, and even though we were mired in sin, he sees and saw the beauty of our potential, and he makes a way for us to be restored into life. So, you know, what had happened was that our identity um, had been stolen from us uh, and, and lost at the fall. Um, uh, though we were initially created in the image of God, sin had caused us to no longer reflect that image. Um, Genesis 1.27, here's a few verses, I know they didn't make your notes, and you might want to write down the address and look at them later, but, or you can just listen. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. God created us in his image, and gave us dominion, which we lost in the fall. And something happens, so that's Genesis 1. Uh, The fall happens in Genesis 3. Genesis 5, here's a fascinating verse. Verse 1. This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, or the image of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. And he named him Seth. Something happened. Because of the fall, interestingly, 130 years, whatever that process was, created in the image of God and now created in the image of man. Something totally different. What happened? Well, the fall happened. And and so we no longer reflected the image of God in the process. We were no longer image bearers. And Seth means substituted. And so most people read that and they think, well, you know, he was a substitute for Cain. probably didn't have that situation happen in 20 years of ministry. It's happened twice in the last six months when I get a cold. Um, so Seth means substituted. Seth was a, a substitute, uh, many believe, for Abel. But um, I think if you look at it, the image of God had been lost, and now what's substituted in its place is the image of man. And yet Jesus makes it possible for us to be restored and once again become the image bearers of God. Hebrews 1.3 says this, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful world. After He had provided purification for sin, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4, The God, little g God of this age, that's the enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
So they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Here comes Jesus bearing the image of God, because he is God. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness and ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In Christ now, we begin to be image bearers again. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. And just as we have been born uh, the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. So, so here's Paul saying, just like now we, we were born in, in the image, the lost um, of, from God, um, born in the image of man, now when Jesus comes, we're, we're born again and we become image bearers once again in Christ, which is how this was always supposed to be, and, and got lost at the fall. So we lost our identity, but Jesus could still see us in the depths of that. He sees the, the beauty of us, the beauty of our potential, and he rescues us and makes it possible for us to be restored to that place of image bearer. And so that's what the writer is talking about when he talks about bringing many sons or children to glory. We've been lifted up in Christ, by Christ, becoming in him so completely of the same family that we're called by Jesus, my brothers. See, he restores to us the image that was lost at the fall. It's restored to us in Christ. And, and we're so much a part of the family of God at that point that Jesus himself is able to look at us and call us his brothers and sisters in the Lord. The image, once again, reflecting uh, of who we are and whose we are in the process. And, and so Jesus did that for you. He did it for me. He, he lived a perfect, sinless life. Um, he suffered. He died, defeated death, rose again, and now sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us so that we can experience this full and abundant now and forever life in Him. And that's what the writer's getting back to with, with everyone that he's writing to. Look, look at what happened. Look at, look at you were lost but now Jesus has come that you might have life. What do you think? Don't even think about walking away. There's nothing out there. Jesus has come. He was what you were waiting for. He made a way back into, into life with God to become once again uh, his people that reflect his image, the way we were created uh, when it all started. He's restored it already in Christ. We once again become the image bearers of, of God in the world around us. And, and the world needs us to reflect that image to them so they know that there's hope. And so that's what's taking place and what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in that second chapter. And that's good enough for today. Um, if you're watching my video, thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate your time. And uh, if you get a chance here in Big Pine, come and visit us. We're here all the time, <laughs> just about, like every day. So come, hang out, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for watching.